Let's turn to the word of God this morning. Turn to me the book of, with me to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis chapter 6, please. And let your eye run down to verse 5, yeah, please. Genesis 6 and verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Notice this. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart. Notice this. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now that's powerful, isn't it? That's the depravity of human nature in its fullness there. If you think of nothing else but wrong, self-centered, and they thought of nothing else but evil. Now take note of this. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing in the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Notice the state of the earth, the state of the land, the state of man's heart. Verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Just for a moment, let your eye run down to verse 11. The earth was also, also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh. All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Notice. You underline the word pitch, P-I-T-C-H there. It's the word that is used in the Old Testament for atonement. Atonement. When the blood makes an atonement for the soul, we're told later in Scripture, the blood atones for the soul. It covers, and the pitch was to cover the ark outside, and it covered the ark inside. So you mark down there atonement. That's the first Word that's used for atonement. It's the first place in your Bible that atonement is actually mentioned in this sense. That it covers over. And the blood of Jesus Christ not only cleanses us, but it covers us. And it's all by the grace of God. Let us pray. Father, we pray now that you would take your word and inscribe it upon our hearts. Imprint it into our minds. And oh God, we pray, Lord, that you would come and speak to every one of us. Lord, that you would be magnified in our lives. Help us to realize your grace. For even as it's been sung and talked about here, Lord, it is still amazing grace. Thank you for loving us. 
And thank you for your son. Thank you for the blood of the lamb. And we pray, O oh God, that you would be glorified this morning for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. The word grace, G-R-A-C-E, is mentioned 170 times in 159 verses in your King James Bible. Notice, it is mentioned 170 times in 159 verses. The first mention of the word grace, G-R-A-C-E, is in our reading this morning in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We want to look at it in a moment. The last mention of the English word grace, if you want to turn, is in Revelation chapter 22. And you will find it right at the end of your Bible, the last book, the last chapter, the last verse. Notice we are left with grace. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 21, it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So grace is in the first book and grace is in the last book, although grace is at the last verse of the last chapter of the last book. We looked and seen how the earth or even the, the known earth especially as God is looking there where the line of Seth would be uh, that chosen line from which Christ would come from. We see the earth around him, the, the nations if you want, or the people I should say around him. They were full of violence, full of evil. Uh, they were full of wickedness before the Lord. And if you remember in Romans chapter 5 and part 1, we showed you how Adam's disobedience or Adam had failed to listen when God was speaking. We showed you more into that. And that's what brought forth sin and sin brought forth death. And whenever we looked at that, we, we then went further to show you the, the depravity of our human nature, the total depravity and our full and complete inability to save ourselves. There's nothing we can do, ever do, ever give, ever add to save ourselves. But then we looked at the grace of God. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And that was the obedience of Christ who upheld his father's will, his father's word, and the law of God. And so he died taking our sins and the great transaction as we took his righteousness. But we looked at how the grace of God is in Christ and Christ alone that in this, without Christ, there is no salvation. And that was part one. And Paul then, moving into, moving into part two, Paul says then, should we continue in sin? In Romans chapter six and verses one and into two, that grace may abound. And the idea is, so since we say, well, we live in grace, God's a God of love. As Christians, even we're washed in the blood, we can live how we like and do what we want and we're always forgiven and it doesn't really matter. And Paul says, should we continue in grace, or pardon me, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? And Paul says, God forbid, never let it be so said. And we looked at that last week. Then we went further into the other words for grace and we finished at falling from grace from Galatians chapter 5 when Paul talks about those who are fallen from grace. Now, we haven't time to go into it, but it shows how much we depend on the Lord. It's, if it's not of God, then it's not going to work, and you can't be saved. And remember, if sovereign grace does not lay hold on you, you cannot lay hold on sovereign grace. If sovereign grace doesn't lay hold on you first, 
then you cannot lay hold on sovereign grace. Notice in this day then, in part three we're doing today, in Genesis chapter six, the state of the world, the state of the earth, God says, I'm going to destroy all of it. I'm going to destroy the people and the animals and the things that fly. But notice it says in verse eight, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now take note of this. Here we have the sin and depravity of man's heart and the world. And then here we have grace coming to Noah. And the grace is proven to Noah, even in our reading in verse 14. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without. As I said, atone it. And those who were in the ark ate souls. Noah, his sons and their wives were saved. That's grace. Because no one deserved to live, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 17 and verse 26. Speaking of his coming again, speaking of his second coming, he says, as it was in the days of Noah, or Noah that is, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. In other words, when Jesus comes back again, the world will be like Genesis chapter 6. The earth will be like Genesis chapter 6. Now let's just pause for a second and think about this. Do you think we're there? Because I do. I think we're very close to it. You think of the the way sin has become prevalent over all things in life. Good has become evil, evil has become good, light has become dark, and dark has become light. You think of the the falling away of the hearts of Christian men and women. Those who once loved the Lord stopped loving the Lord because of the things of the world or the pressures of man, and so they went into the world. You think of the evil that's gone on You think of the ability of man. You think of the elitists that are running the world. You think of all of this at this place, point in time. And it's not in part, but it's all over the world. It's all over this earth. And you tell me about, you tell me if you think it's about time that the Lord, this is the time the Lord Jesus is speaking of. That when he comes back, it will be like the days of Noah. Because when we look at our world, surely it couldn't be too far away. Now, you don't need to build an ark because the earth will not be flooded again. But you need to be in the ark which typifies Christ and not pitched or atoned with pitch. You need to be atoned by the blood of the Lamb. You need to be in the ark which is Christ Jesus and atoned by his blood, washed in his blood because he's not coming back, by the way, uh, to flood the earth, but he's coming back in fire. And the earth will be burnt up. So I think that we're, if not there, close to the running to these things. You and I, like Noah, who are saved, that is, you and I have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You and I are living in the grace of God. Can I be honest with yourself? And I'm speaking of me too. I'm really am speaking of myself as well, I promise you. I'm not on some high lofty uh, 
a crow's nest pulpit looking down, thundering down to everyone else. I'm, I, I'm a man like every other man. I'm a human like every other human. I'm a person like you are. And listen, I want to be honest. Every single one of us, every single one of us, including this man, every one of us are nothing but sinners in the flesh saved by the grace of God. But if you're saved, you're now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And the thing is, I want to be honest with with you because I'm speaking to all of us again. If it wasn't for the grace of God, there's not one on here who is perfect. Every one of us fall. Every one of us fail. Every one of us sin. Do you know what old Puritan once said? He said, I think it was Jeremiah Burroughs, if my memory serves me right. He said, if the best man sins, now notice the best man, not the worst man. If the best man, that is put it like the Christian man or woman. If the best man's sins were written upon his forehead, he must have had a big forehead, wouldn't he? But if the best man's sins were written upon his forehead, it would make him pull his hat down over his eyes. Isn't that the truth? We're not here to condemn the world. We looked at that before. The world is already condemned. The world is condemned already. We were under condemnation, but praise the Lord for his grace. He saved us. And every one of us as Christians, we're being honest now, every one of us as Christians, we need the grace of God. We feel him every day. Thank God for his grace. Take note of this. But Noah found grace. The word found here is the word saw, saw, And this is what the idea gives. It does mean to find something, but it also gives the idea of to appear. To appear. It means to come forth. It means to exist. Let me try and give you an example. If I had this pen... And I set it somewhere and I was looking for it and I, or I had lost it. The pen doesn't cease to exist. The pen doesn't cease to exist. I may have lost it and I may go looking for it. But at one point, it's not like it's nothing then appears into something. Some, it will appear to my vision. Ah, there it is over there. And hence I will go and lift it. Much saw can be along those lines. So, for example, if, if you or I were to lose, if you were to lose your purse or someone when we were away lost their wallet and thank the Lord it was found. But it existed somewhere. It was actually on a country road. But it, it didn't vanish because you hadn't, the, the person didn't have it in their hands. And so the word we saw here is Noah being a preacher of righteousness according to Second Peter 2 and 5. Is preaching righteousness to the people. And suddenly, grace appears. In other words, grace existed, but Noah had to come to a place, point in time where he realized it. When he realized it, when Noah accepted it. 
So when we talk about grace, let me talk about the unsaved first of all. When we're unsaved, grace is there. Christ has died for us. Christ has shed his blood for us. He's went to the grave. He's risen from the dead. Grace was there. But there's a place, a point in a time when we realized our sin and we realized that we were under condemnation and the wrath of God. And we realized then that we were headed on the broad road to destruction, to hell, and and at the preaching of the word or someone was testifying or whatever it may have been or whenever it was or wherever it was, grace appeared. You know why? Because you heard of the blood of Christ. How God gave his son when you did not deserve it. When you don't deserve anything, God owes us nothing. God owes you nothing in life. But God came even when our world and our hearts were like these people in Genesis 6. And grace, as it were, appeared. We realized that it, it, it made itself manifest to us that we realized we can be saved in the person of Christ and the blood of the Lord Jesus too. That's the unsaved. That you can be saved. And if you're not saved this morning, you're under condemnation. If you're not saved this morning, you're under the wrath of God. And it's only in grace that he hasn't taken you yet. It's only in grace that he hasn't brought you uh, uh, to, the, to the realms of, of death yet, where you'll then stand before him. But grace is, grace is in front of you now. Grace is here this morning. Grace is saying to you if, you, if you're not saved, or even if someone's watching somewhere, and, and grace says this, here's how you get saved, here's how you're forgiven, and grace shows you Christ. The personification of grace, for John says, in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is full of grace and truth. And hence grace is here for you this morning. Grace was there. Noah had to get to the place where he realized it. You're only saved by grace, Noah. This world, these people, it's repented me that I have even made this people. Look at them. But see you, I'm going to have mercy on you and show grace. I want you to build an ark because this is how you're going to be saved. Noah had no notion. There had never been water the way there would be water at the flood. There actually, there was hardly any water that ever came except for a mist to water the ground. The Lord says, you don't understand what this judgment's like is coming. You don't understand what it's like that's going to come on the earth. Because there's going to be a great flood. Can you imagine you've never seen really water before in that sense? What, what, what do you mean? I want you to build a big boat. What's a boat? I want you to build this ark. And as you're building it, you get into it because there's going to be a judgment. Noah had to take by faith the grace that was offered and start to build. So the unsaved need to realize there's coming a judgment on the earth as we've spoken of earlier. And we can't even comprehend it. You can't even understand it. You can't even begin to get it into our heads. 
See the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people think, oh, the rapture's coming. We're all going to float off into the heavens. It's going to be a lovely time. It is not. He's going to come with vengeance. He's coming as a man of war. We can't even comprehend that. Our minds can't even think of that. That's why we have to, the grace appears, but here's how you're saved. And so when you and I, who are in Christ, we have no fear of the coming of the Lord. You know why? Because when the Lord comes, it's our bride, our, our groom's coming for his, our bridegroom's coming for his bride. We'll be united with him. But for the world, it's going to be havoc and it's, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be judgment. And the angels will gather up the unsaved, the terrors, as it were. Yeah, they'll gather up. See all the ones who are thinking they're ruining the planet at the minute? They're going to be gathered up into bundles and burned in a fire. Every sinner, every Christ rejecter will be the same. Everyone. It doesn't matter whether the most wicked of wickedness or even those who think they're good in their goodness. Without Christ, they're lost. But grace is here this morning for you and says, here I am, accept me. That's grace. You don't deserve me, but I've died for you because I love you. Last Sunday night, a woman came in a couple of Sundays ago. It was Teresa and Alan. And she went out really quickly off, remember, uh, I don't usually make appeals but I made one this night I knew the Lord was drawing and, but she went out and she always declared herself to be an atheist we sat to pray for her on the Wednesday and she went to their house and talked to them and, but she still went out the grace was there but she still went out she came in last Sunday night and the Lord laid hold on her again and she got saved at the end of that polytunnel she couldn't get any further isn't that right? Couldn't get any further. Grace appeared, yes. She was just going away and it says, the Lord loves you and she broke into tears. Started weeping. For those, those of us who are saved and know Christ, that grace appears to us in the sense we're always under grace now because we're saved. But, the, but for ourselves, our own belief, our own thought life, our own mentality, it, it gets to the point where you and I think at times because we are who we are, because we're human, because we feel all the time. What about now? Like, would God have me? Would God forgive me? Would God accept me or reject me? And all of those things, maybe it's too long now, Lord. I haven't been even in the the place of prayer for over a week now, Lord. And I come to you to pray. I'm sure you won't even want to listen to me. And all of this stuff. And he's every right not to. He's every right not to. But this is what grace does. Grace says to you, grace says to me, son, daughter, you're my child. I love you. Come to me. It's grace. And it's appearing in the sense that it comes to our realization through faith in Christ that that he does still love us and he will still accept us and, and we can still walk with him even though we have let him down. We don't believe here in sinless perfection. 
but we believe we will be perfectly sinless when Christ returns. So Noah found grace. It, it appeared as it were. Noah, the earth is going to be destroyed. Listen, let's get it again. The earth is full of evil. Their thoughts, everything continually, they're just rotten to the core. That's what man is like in their hearts. But you, Noah, I want you to listen to me. Go and build an ark and it will be a covering for you. The, the term grace in, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's a word, Cain. I'm not good at ruling R's, and this is a more of a, it's like a, a rule of an R with a guttural sound, how it's pronounced. So I, I can't rule my R's, and I'm not good at guttural sounds. The Lord pulled me from the gutter, but I'm not good at guttural sounds. It's Cain, something like that. And the root word is Hanan. And this is what it really gives the idea of. One who is the superior, bowing down to another, or coming down in kindness to another who is inferior. The one who is superior, bowing down or stooping down, coming down in kindness to the one who is the inferior. The great sovereign almighty God, the creator, the maker, the keepers and the sustainer, the upholder and uplifter of the heavens and the earth. He who made all things in his sovereign grace decided upon Noah. Do you ever wonder why? Because Noah was a man just, he was a sinner. Oh, he's a preacher of righteousness. And it really means though, he, he kept his heritage line. Because they're all mingling, having all sorts of relationships with each other. And he kept his, her, his, he and his family kept their heritage. That's what it means, righteousness here. Because Seth, Cain kills Abel, Seth is born. Seth means appointed. So down this pointed line through time, right to Noah, that's the family line, Methuselah and so on. And God had promised in Genesis 3.15 that there would be uh, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And how would that happen if Noah or one or one election would not take place if it was not in the person of Noah? Because he is the only one from the line of Seth that's kept the line. That's lived before God. And God says, Noah, no matter, no matter about all of them, here's grace. You build an ark for the saving of your house. You build an ark, Noah, for the saving of your house. That's all. That's election. Because from you will come the Savior. And grace will be shown to all of us. Brother, sister, no matter what you're going through or facing, I want you to know God is a way ahead of us. He's way ahead of you. You might have a doctor's appointment. You might have a hospital appointment. You might have an interview. There's something that you're not looking forward to. You might have something else in life that you're just a bit worried about. Listen, God is a way ahead of you. Do you know, do you know, who, the, you know the, who the first one in the ark was? Was it Noah? No. 
Was it his sons? Nope. Any of them? Nope. His wife, their wives? Nope. Who was the first one in the ark? It was God. Do you know how you know? God says to Noah, come now. <laughs> come now in thy family into the ark. He didn't say go into the ark, he says come. You know why? Because he's there, he's with you. He's way ahead of you. Come now in thy family into the ark. And it's strange because he's inside, yet he's outside because he shut the door <laughs> and he sealed it. <laughs> That's the omnipresence of our Father. That's the omnipresence of our God. And so Noah found grace. The word Canaan, it means to be favorably inclined towards, to bow down to, or to stoop down in kindness. I want to do one more verse in the Old Testament before it closes. Time's gone. Will you turn with me to Zechariah chapter 12, please? Zechariah 12. I might do one more, because I haven't had the New Testament words for grace yet. I might do... One more Sunday morning. Forgive me, I don't want to I don't want it to become monotonous with you. But how can it be monotonous when you're speaking of grace? How can that happen? Okay. Let's look at it in Zechariah twelve, verse ten. Preached on this one Sunday night a couple of months or a few ago or whatever. Some people think this is going to happen in the future. This has already happened. And I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Is that not Calvary? This is Old Testament This is what, 500 years before Christ? And God said to the prophet, they're going to look at me. Now listen, there are some people who, as I said, there's a big move on, I've said it a few times, there's a big move on and more are gathering into it to deny the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in this verse they'll say, oh, it says at the end of it, and they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. The Lord says they shall look upon me. Not the prophet now, the Lord says they'll look upon me. So this is pre-Bethlehem. This is before the birth of, of the Son of God in, uh, in Bethlehem. Notice, I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. In other words, when Jesus died, he kept the law we couldn't keep. Isn't that right? He took our sins and bore our sins in his own body. On the tree that we being dead to sin should live on the righteousness thereof. And, and, and so Jesus took our sin and poured out a spirit of grace. And what was the spirit of grace? The spirit of grace was salvation in Christ alone. The spirit of grace was not of works lest any man should boast. The spirit of grace was the gospel of saving grace without any works or alms or deeds or religion or ritual. Just in Christ and in Christ alone, the spirit of grace came. Because, you see, it comes here to Jerusalem, and they're all so tied up in the law. There's 613 commandments they're trying to keep, and they're failing every day. 613. The spirit of grace says, you can't keep them. See the one who died? 
Spirit of grace says before it even happens, they'll look on me whom they have pierced. You see, there's life for a look at the crucified one. In other words, I'm giving you my son. And the temple offerings and worship was over. Over forever. Not until there's another so-called temple, but over forever, brothers and sisters. Listen, it's the blood of Jesus and Jesus only. It's the blood of Christ. The spirit of grace was poured out upon us. We are the temple of the living God. The Holy Ghost dwells in us. And notice this spirit of grace was that Jesus, the one you look at, yes, him, of course it's him. It's him with a body. It's him in the flesh. John chapter 1 and verse 14, and the word was made flesh. Here's what I've written. I'm going to close here with this. Here's what I've written. On this verse of Zechariah 12 and 10. Let me read it again. I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications and will look up, they will look upon me whom they have pierced. So I have written. This is God's amazing grace. Grace isn't a fine and fuzzy feeling of some emotional adrenaline running through our bodies to give us a shivering goosebump her standing thrill because we have come to a fickle, self-gratifying place in our consciousness that we can live how we like, love who we want, and whoever we desire, and do whatever we deem moral. Because after all, grace will prevail, and grace will abound over it all. No, should we continue in sin, that grace may abound. God forbid. In other words, there are those who say, we can live, talking about Christians now, talking about believers, so-called believers, we can live how we like, we can do what we want, we can accept in the church that those things that are against Scripture, that are anti-Christ. We can do all of that. Listen, and you can bring in, all, and we can do uh, the, the, the LGBT marriages and all this sort of stuff coming in, in the church. And it's coming in everywhere. There was a church last week, some of us seen a video of it, and it was a drag queen going up in the middle of the church and they're all clapping them. It's an abomination unto the Lord. And what do they say? Because we can live and we can live as we like, we can love who we like. Because of grace. Grace is not the license to sin. It's the gift of God and empowerment to live for Christ. They think we, we can live how we like, do what we want, because grace is going to cover it all. And hence, it's unbiblical. There's abomination taking place. Listen, there's even churches have given way to the gospel for the green agenda. It's no more God, it's the green. It's no more the tree of Calvary, it's the trees of the forest. Jesus says, I have meat to eat that you know not of. 
Well, you know what? They're trying to turn meat into vegetables. It's all an agenda. They think they'll do what they want. They bring it into the church and Christians think they'll do. And they go and they're drunk. I know how many preachers are preaching this nowadays. But I believe that when you're saved, stay away from the drink. In fact, when you're saved, you don't want it. I don't get it. If you're saved, a Christian who's saved, I was talking to Mr. Lloyd and, and Sharon about this. Wherever she is, she'll wait down there. Where she's there. On Friday, I don't get brother, sister, and I know this might clear some people out, but this is truth. We have to stay by truth. I don't get when a man and a woman are saved. I mean, blood-washed, blood-bought, born of the Spirit, that they can go in and sit in the pub with the cursing, the swearing, the drinking, the boozing, the fornicating, and they are comfortable sitting there. I don't even want to set foot in that. Do you know why? Because I'm saved. Because I'm a child of God. Oh, you're being very rigid and stiff. You're like a Pharisee. No, I'm not. I'm living in the grace of God. God enables me through his grace to not do that. To not want that. To not want that. So grace isn't some fuzzy feeling. We're all, we're all, we're all Christians now, so that's all. That's all. Just get together and have a fuzzy feeling together. That's, that's fairy tales and fantasy. Grace is aligning in you. Grace puts something in you. Grace gives you a strength and a boldness and a witness and a character for the glory of Christ. That's grace. He enables you. Feels, oh, I would do. We try to overcome it. We may feel and we overcome it, but we don't live in an open course of sin habitually going there. Grace of God will keep us every day. I might do one more next week. Listen, what did I say last? Well, I think it was, well, one of the weeks anyway. I can't remember it was the first part or the second part. What, this is what I said. Look, as a Christian, yes, sometimes we have to put our, dig our heels in. Sometimes we have to get some grit about us. Or sometimes you don't want to, you don't even want to come out to the meeting because your, your, own, your own flesh is telling you not to go. Your mind's telling you, ah, it doesn't matter. Or you're tired or you're feeling whatever. And listen, we all feel like that at times. But sometimes that happens as a habit instead of being out. And look, and it's not all about even just you being here. This is where we gather as the church. This is where we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. This is where we, we meet with one another, with people of like mind, because you'll be in that world like Genesis chapter 6 all week. And look, we, we are in those things. But we're not off them. And sometimes we have to dig deep, and people say, I got through that trial. I got through that trouble. And listen, we might find that we're adrift from God at times as well because our flesh would be the blockage between you and the Spirit of God. And, and the, He's in you, but that's how we feel. That's how we think at times. He hasn't left you, but that's how you feel. And it's called the perseverance of the saints. 
There's Christians who persevered to be burned at the stake. Imagine that. It wasn't for deliverance. They persevered knowing they're going to the stake. And all they had to do was say, I recant of my faith in Christ alone. I recant of it. And it was grace that took them there. They persevered. But the perseverance of the saint is the preservation of the Holy Ghost in you. It's not of yourself. It's not of yourself. It's the Holy Ghost and the true child of God preserving you to the end. Giving you the, the drive, the ability, even if it's to go to be burned at a stake or go to the guillotine in France if you're a Huguenot or whatever it may be, even to do any of it to be burned at the stake of Smithfield. Be cast into the lions when you're an early Christian in the first century. There's something in them. It was grace that said, we are trusting in you, Lord. But when the land devours me, when the flames burn me, and the guillotine cuts the head from off me, that I will be absent from the body to be present with my Savior. That's grace. I'm afraid that they couldn't do it. That's grace. Brothers and sisters, let's live for Jesus. Let's live for Christ. God bless you this morning. Time is flowing. Team, would you come up, please? We're here always to talk to you, to help you, to encourage you, to lead you to Christ if you need led to Christ, to point you in the right direction.